Hello, it's your old pal Nick. Welcome to your Daily Dose. On this episode, Bob and I geek out on art. We talk about the names of pieces. We talk about the meanings and the symbolism within the pieces. And we talk about what happens when an artist has to switch things up because of outside circumstances. This episode is a little bit longer because we really got into it and I didn't want to cut it up into multiple pieces. So enjoy and let us know what you think. I can't remember if we talked about this. We talked a little bit about Picasso, but mm. how did you feel about Dali? Oh, I adore Dali. I actually have oh, okay. I have a um, a reprint of his hallucinogenic Toreador yes. in my house because I love all of the different things that he's planted in there. One of the things that I like about Dali is that he um, he's very clever and he's such a great artist that everything that he wants to work in whether it's you know roses uh as the center of a woman's eyes or you know it looks so natural from one perspective. somewhere in there oh yeah oh yeah and his love is yeah. christopher columbus if you ever seen that giant oh, piece yeah, yeah, of work yeah. incredible um he was <laughs> to be honest the thing i love most about dolly is he was mad even though he said the only difference between him and a madman is that he's not mad mm-hmm. look into those eyes and tell me that he was not mad in some look into that mustache right well that was an attention getter that was a that was a brand right i think so were the the whites of his eyes yeah that that was his look and his way and he wasn't afraid to be absurd he also had a series of phenomenal photographs uh, shot still with water spilling out of goblets real time i mean incredible photographs that he captured and then painted them and uh, i i appreciate almost everything that he does so I take it that you've been to St. Pete and you've been oh, to the yeah. museum there oh, yeah. maybe more than once. Oh yeah. And I've seen his exhibit in, uh, in London. There was a mashup between him and Picasso that we just stumbled into because it was raining and we got off the eye and it was incredible. Oh man. It was I so bet. good. Yeah. I was curious what you would think because with that much meaning, with that much symbolism, is it like, could you look at that reprint uh, that you have of uh, the uh, the Toreador mm-hmm. and have as much appreciation having not seen it in person or having somebody like I will glom on to the tour every time I go there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's not every time tours. I'll hear something different yeah. that I didn't realize about one of the pieces. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you need to know all that to love what he does. Yeah. But I think once you know all that, it, it changes the dimensions of what you're looking at. And I like to look at art uh, and consider the intention of the artist. I like to I like to imagine what they're trying to achieve with this because I create art. And when you see that much intention, it feels like a gift to you, you know, the viewer, that they took that much time to work that in there so that when we discover it, we can have that feeling of joy. You know, my son's a, a video game software engineer, and I think he does the same thing with some of the games that he works on. He's, he's in gameplay, so he wants to make sure that people are delighted while they're playing these games. And I feel like Dolly did that with his art. Yeah. He's, I want, he's thinking to us and saying, I want them to be delighted when they find this stuff. And some of this stuff, they'll never find. And I love that too, because it puts you on a quest to try to you know, see all that's in there. It's really cool. Right, because he didn't necessarily write down everything that was involved in each of his oh, paintings. No. Oh, no. And the layers upon layers. Yeah. I bet there are probably dozens and dozens of Dali paintings that have amazing Dali paintings underneath them. Yeah. 
Uh, I there get, was one too, I think that, and I can't remember which one it was, but there, it was a commission. And so he painted it for this rich couple who bought a lot of his pieces, um, who he and his, uh, his love would, his muse yeah. would dine with them when they traveled and stuff. And if I remember the story correctly, if I'm wrong, uh, please, I apologize to, uh, Dolly and all of his fans, but there was this shell that he painted on it or something that looked like a, a shell, this round thing. Mm-hmm. And she didn't like it. She wanted him to paint over it. And he's like, no. And so <laughs> later on, Sputnik goes up and she goes to him, oh, that's what your intention was to sort of show this this space race. The And he's like, that's exactly right. <laughs> Post facto justification in the art world is a real thing. I love that. And, and guess what? Look at the titles of art and you'll see post facto justification. You know, you, you could paint a picture of a, a beautiful woman in the middle of a garden, but then you give it the title clown. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, you're like, okay, what does this mean? This beautiful woman in this beautiful garden and it's called clown. You start looking for the things that relate. Oh, wait, he only used clown colors to paint this painting. Or, you know, you, you find ways to, to... Or he's a misogynist. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. So just <laughs> that, that it, so I think that's really fun to see how people decide to title their work. Uh, at least Dolly gives you something to look at. Some of these other modern artists, it's a white panel. Right. You know, and, it, and they name it Desolation. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. You know, you work more harder on the title than you did the painting. Uh, when it comes to names, there's a local artist, uh, Kelly Joy Ladd. Oh. She does. Um, she uh, a few years ago, uh, her husband uh, was diagnosed with, I want to say Lyme disease or something that uh, gave him an allergic reaction to a lot of different chemicals. So at the time she was painting just little things here and there, but the chemicals in the paint, she couldn't paint anymore. So she had to find something else to sort of scratch this creative itch she was teaching at the time. And so she started tearing. She found out that there's certain glues that are okay, don't have the chemicals that he's allergic to. So she started tearing pieces of paper, cutting pieces of paper and putting them on canvas. And it was quite remarkable. But what uh, had her on the show a couple of times now, and I saw a lot of her pieces out and about and like thousands of pieces of paper. I to think I might have seen more her than like work. she's a local artist. A lot yeah. of her stuff has been up on social media. Uh, she and a lot of uh, other local artists had a thing at the Manello a couple years ago. Did she do something at Snap as well? Did she? Have well, yeah, I think yes. so. Yeah. I, I have seen her work. It's extraordinary. But all of her stuff, if you read the uh, uh, the titles, are almost to almost all of them. I, I don't want to say all of them, but have something to do with. Uh, celestial bodies, oh, yes. interstellar stuff. Because when she was studying uh, at school, uh, before she went into whatever she ended up going into, she really liked astronomy. Mm. She was super into that stuff. I love how that works its way yeah. into her art. That's... And so when you see like, uh, you know, something about uh, Europa, I think was one of her pieces. And Europa is one of the moons of Jupiter and it's supposed to be very cold and icy and then that piece has another meaning to it. Yeah, yeah. When you see that, so it's not just this beautiful paper yeah, pattern. I think, and she's created. starting with the title thought. She uh, starts with the idea. If I remember correctly, it's like a little bit of a combination. Sometimes yeah. the sometimes the name come to comes to her afterwards. I love that she was forced to change her art yeah. by some variable. I have a friend, Phil Hansen, who's amazing. Did an incredible Any TED relation? talk. 
uh, to the, the band Hanson? Sure. <laughs> no, I don't I think so. I feel like I should start asking that more. Yeah. <laughs> Any relation? And then you have to scramble like, like what other Hanson do you know? And Phil Hanson is a, an amazing artist. And he started out as uh, an artist who uh, who specializes in pointillism. Okay. And that's applying little dots. Yep. So a billion little dots applied in the right distance from each other. And you can create an incredible photo real work. Except for that Phil, and he tells us in his TED Talk, uh, developed a, a nervous twitch in his heart and his hand. And so all of his dots had little tails. So he could not continue to, to create the art the way that he was creating the art because it takes extraordinary precision. Sure. So he goes to his doctor and he says, Hey, I need your help. I get this, this tremor, this shake, and I can't do my art with that shake. You have to help me. And after some diagnostics, the doctor comes back to him and he says, um, my best advice for you is you need to embrace the shake. And then Phil Hansen exploded artistically. Exploded. His his original drawings, pointillism, were very nice. The stuff he created afterwards was incredible. He created a portrait of Bruce Lee out of karate chops. Put the ink on the sides of his hand and then chopped the canvas until he has a picture of Bruce Lee sitting up there. He's created portraits of people out of pasta that he's chewed up and spit onto the canvas. He's built incredible 3D structures that when you look at it from one direction, it shows one face. When you look at it yeah. from another direction, it shows another face. He painted... I think it was something like 70 portraits on his torso, one on top of the other. This thing was an inch thick when all the paint was done and when he peeled it off. But incredible series of portraits so that he made himself the art. And the point is, had he not embraced the shake, had he not taken his limitation and made it his art and really ran at it, he would never have encountered all this art. Yeah. And I feel like the same is true for your artist friend as well, where I mean, she was painting stuff and doing stuff, but she probably found much more of her groove when she was released from the cage that she put herself in artistically. And all of a sudden now she's seeing other possibilities. And I just I feel like that's so cool and relatable that when you run into a wall, most often you just want to stop. But instead, these people turned around and said, I'm going to choose another direction and see how that works. And it turns out to be cooler than where they were in the first place, right? I love talking art with Nick today. Art is essential. Visual, performing, dance, music, writing, film. We need all of it in our communities. That's why it's so important for us to support our local arts organizations. There's a multitude of wonderful, diverse artists and organizations delivering amazing beauty, entertainment, education, and healing to our community every day. We need to keep that going. It's so worthy of our support. That's all for now, gang. Catch you next episode. <laughs>